Jesus. Man, there's power in that name. Power in that name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. You know, the most absolute way to have Jesus a part of your life to walk. The, um, the Jews have a word for the walk with Jesus or the walk with the Messiah. And that that word in Hebrew is called halacha. You're supposed to put a little in there too, but it's called the halacha. And it's the walk. It's the lifestyle of Jesus. It's the lifestyle of the kingdom of God. And there's no way to get to the kingdom of God except through Jesus. That's the powerful name. You know, you know the world, when they mash their hand in a car door or they get into a place of panic, they say Jesus. But that Jesus has no power. But the Jesus that we have the Jesus that is used in the proper place is making him Lord and making him king over your situation. Every one of us are going through situations today. Every one of us have things that are ailing us, that are uh, heavy weights on us. If you don't have anything weighing on you today, then you need to come up here and finish this. is is that when we have things weighing, when we have needs, when we have um, difficulties, and and it feels like we're wading through mud in our lives, we need Jesus, the walk, the lifestyle. Jesus is king. There is nothing, nothing can withstand the name above every name. He is, he said, or the word says that if, um, that if you have anything that has a name to it, if the doctors diagnosed you with something and they put a name to it, that name must bow its knee to the name of Jesus because Jesus is King. Jesus is King. thank you for giving us your son Jesus Father thank you for bringing Jesus into this earth for for releasing Jesus in this earth to show us how to walk to show us that his name is above every name and that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus Father that none before you, have a walk, have a a gate, have a swag, like having Jesus in our life. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit so that we can walk this life 
integrity, a true promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all receive that today? Well, give the worship team a hand clap if you would. These guys, these guys work hard to uh, just continue the presence in this place, and so they, they're, they're awesome. So with that, if you would turn around and tell somebody hello, um, have a seat, and we'll get into this today. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Good to, uh, good to be seen. Uh, today's a good day. Man, it was, I, I got out of bed and it was dark. I was like, are my clocks right? And um, sure enough, it was just dark and cold. So uh, very, very, uh, very seasonal morning. So it was really good here in the state of Colorado. Hi, guys. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. And I just want to thank you all for joining us this morning. I want to thank our online presence for um, for being letting us into your house. And you're welcome in our house. We thank you so much for joining us uh, out there in um, technology land. And uh, we appreciate you joining us this morning uh, or this week, whenever you're watching this, if it's morning, noon, or night, thank you for joining us. So um, with that, um, you know, one of the things that we have, um, when we started, Lynette was talking about a little bit of um, when we started and things like that. And one of the things that really that God has shown us over several years is that this church is a pioneering church. And, and sometimes I struggle with, um, you know, asking God, what are we pioneering around here? And, you know, God's faithful to answer that as you need to open your eyes. I mean, I, one, of the, one of the statements we always uh, make during our leadership meetings and things like that is I heard from a preacher named Andy Stanley years ago. He said, time in erodes awareness of. And sometimes we can get used to things uh, over time and not see the things that need to be seen. And so when, when I think about us being a pioneering church, sometimes I don't see what God has done by us being a pioneer. Does that make sense? Time in erodes awareness of. But this morning I have an awesome opportunity because I, I think that a part of our pioneering spirit around here is empowering and equipping uh, especially women, to do the work of the ministry. And, you know, there's, there's so many denominations and so many uh, uh, theology-type uh, stuff, you know, which, that you get at seminary. And uh, there's, there's so many organizations, Christian organizations out there, that do not recognize the gift that God has given women. And, you know, uh, Pastor Lynette is very... Um, vocal. Um, I live with her, man, and, and it's, she's vocal. And, you know, sometimes I don't even have to say anything. I just said, yes, dear. That's what, that's what we do. But the thing about it is, is so many times uh, she was prophesied over years ago that she was a preacher woman. And how many of you know that? That's true. And, but in that, over the years as she's preached, there's been people that really has, have come against not just her, but me. 
and saying, how come you let her preach? You know, that, you know the Bible says, and they, they quote these scriptures out of context and all these things. Uh, but my deal was, you know what? I would rather stand before God in that time and he say, dude, you let her preach. And that's not what I had in mind. Then for me to stand in front of God and he say, you didn't let her preach. And therefore, you see these people over here, they're going to hell because you didn't let her preach. So I'd, I'd rather err on the other side than I would on that side. And so we, we like to empower women to preach. And, and one of the things that we got going this morning is that pioneering spirit on the inside of Candace Lostro. She is powerful. She's got a, the perspective that she brings is so refreshing to us. And um, I'm not going to hold her back either. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on board with that every chance I can. And so this morning, I want to welcome to our stage um, a, a woman that's been like a daughter and um, that we've had the awesome opportunity to watch grow up. And um, she's, she's a full-grown woman now. <laughs> and she's got a gift on the inside of her. So I, I want to bring that out. I want to allow that to happen. So if you all would, would you give a Northern Colorado Cowboy Church welcome to Candace Loster? Thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you. Can you hear me okay? All right. Uh, Mike, he's going to make me cry. Katie poked me in the eye, and then he's going to make me cry. <laughs> I asked Katie for it. I was like, is this little hair, this baby hair that I'm growing, is it sticking straight up? And she was going to fix it and went right at my, right at my head. No. <laughs> She's great. I just need prayer after this. No, we're good. I didn't mess up my mascara, so it's good. But how is everybody this morning? Oh my goodness. So when I first sat down before worship started, I was like, okay, good. There's not as many people as I thought there was going to be. And then I get, and then there's a lot of people here still. So, well, thank you, Pastor, for that. And I like just being able to come and stand behind this pulpit is such a great honor and to just walk in the footsteps of where you guys have led and just empowered me. Ah, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Those words. I know, I know, I know. But um, I'm Candice, and if if I've never met you, uh, one of the things that kind of is a characteristic of the Lostro household is we raise rodeo cattle. Um, We have bucking bulls. We have very wild and crazy animals at our house. And I always say they're a lot more like a deer than any kind of cattle species. And um, one of the fun things around our house is that I'm Cody's hired hand, but I don't get paid. So not hired hand. I am Cody's firsthand man when it comes to anything working cattle. Everybody's already laughing, so they know where this is going to go. And he's not here today because he's hunting. (laughs) He's chasing around a whitetail buck, I think, somewhere around our place right now. So he's hunting, so he's not here, so I can talk about him all that I want. (laughs) Um, But gosh, I I always joke because um, if you are a couple and you work cattle together, and you still love each other, and you're still able to sleep in the same house together, 
you're going to make it. Like, that's just, like, the standard. So, Rhett, if you and Lacey want to come over at any time and work cattle together. Um, my husband always says, he's like, you can just, um, I'm just going to apologize beforehand how this is going to go. <laughs> and so, beforehand, I'm sorry, Candace. I'm sorry for the words that I said. God, I'm sorry for the words I'm going to speak. And that's usually how that goes. So, one of these times, I wanted to... Um, one time that is seared into my mind because it was probably the scaredest I've ever been was we were, we had cattle, we had about 15 cows and then just one bull out on this pasture that we leased. And it was out on the river. Um, if you know anything about Riverland, the fences, regardless of how well you build them, they're always falling over. They're sinking into the ground just because the ground is moist. And um, I mean, there's a lot of deer around there. So they run through the fences and tear stuff down. And we had this bull, his name, he was a big, beautiful tan bull um, that we raised. And his name was Six Six Guns. And um, he was a little bit of an ornery feller. (laughs) And he liked to jump out. He liked to jump out and he liked to go down the road and visit all of the neighbor's cattle as well. And if you're a rancher, you know that that's not okay because especially a rodeo bull running around is not okay. Um, So we needed to get this bull as well as we were just going to gather the cattle off of this pasture. And so Cody knew that the catch pens were not up to his standard. They were not up to rodeo cattle standard in any way, but he wasn't going to do anything about it. He was just going to use what he got. <laughs> and um, me being his right-hand man um, had to be there for the whole ordeal. And my children sat in the truck because it was kind of a cooler day and we could keep them safe in the truck. So it was like, Here's a iPad, here's books, here's snacks, here's all the things. Don't get out of the truck. Like, I'm warning you, do not jump out of the truck because it's going to be wild out here. And Cody, he had gotten this bull caught. So he was in a smaller pen, but this bull was not wanting to get off of this pasture. He did not want to go home. He did not want to leave where he was at. And so we had backed up the truck and trailer to um, this opening. And of course... Uh, the gate or the opening was so much wider than what the trailer was. Why do people do that? I don't understand. So, I mean, he had, he had ropes and he had some wood blocking this gap. And then the trailer door blocked this other gap. So the, the plan was get the bull on the trailer and then Candace, you run and you shut the gate as soon as possible. That was the plan. All right. That was the only plan. <laughs> we only had one plan. We didn't have a plan B. It was, that was the plan. And so um, he's chasing this bull around. I mean, it, was, it probably had been 30 minutes and we still hadn't got this bull on there. He, was, he would run onto it and like t- step onto it and then right away turn. And I just, I was not fast enough to get the gate shut. Like I could not be physically fast enough to get the, I've got short legs y'all. So it doesn't, <laughs> they don't move that fast. And so just, just like, you know, um, as he was messing with that bull in the back pins, the girls are like, mommy, like screaming out the door. And I'm like looking at them like, Hey, you're okay. And I even like kind of stepped away from my post of the gate. And I was like, you guys are okay. It's okay. It's all right. You're good. And just as I was paying attention over here, that bull ran fully onto the trailer 
And I was not where I was supposed to be on that gate. And Cody is screaming like, Candace, shut the gate, shut the gate, shut the gate. And I I mean, I'm ah, running up to it. And just as I get to the gate and I start to shut it, he jumps right back off. And I mean, I'm here. So the trailer's here. The gate's halfway shut. There's a gap here. That bull spins around, sees me, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Do I go back out here? Do I let him go by so I don't get wiped out? What do I do? And so I, um, I started to move and then I went back because he's coming at me. Like he is straight up coming at me. So in the last second, I jumped onto the gate of the trailer and I felt the bull's horn brush by me and he went out the gate and he went back out into the pasture that we had just spent hours trying to get him out of and then finally got him caught. To say Cody was not happy was an understatement. And he, I mean, yeah, I'd never, I'd never seen him as hot as he was. And he had to like grab me and he's like, Candace, I'm not mad at you because you let him out. I'm mad because you could have gotten hurt, like so hurt. And at that moment I was like, well, he loves me, but like, I still really, I mean, he, he was really not happy with me and it scared, it scared the wham out of me. It scared the wham out of me. And I'm like, I hate these animals, (laughs) like, (laughs) but I, I realized at that moment that my hesitation, my freezing up was not good. It was dangerous. It could have gotten me hurt. It could have gotten me killed. Um, And all I needed to do, I just needed to open that trailer door and he would have, I would have had a, I would have been blocked by that gate, but that didn't happen, of course. Or I could have just moved out of the way and got out of the way safer, but that didn't happen either. Um, by the grace of God, I'm still here today to preach to y'all. So, <laughs> um, but the biggest thing Cody told me, he was just like, your hesitation is going to get you killed. Your hesitation is going to get you hurt. And you have got to learn with these animals. You either got to get on the fence, Candace, or you need to do what you need to do. All right. Like there's no in between. Um, my hesitation that day limited the effectiveness of us getting the job done, catching that bull and getting him off the pasture, right? Um, So that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. I want to talk to you about that hesitancy and how it limits us in our everyday life. It limits us in our our walk with God and our effectiveness in the kingdom of God. But first, I want, to, I want to pray really quick because I'm the person that gets up here and I talk really fast. And praying just helps me like take a deep breath. But God, I just want, I want you to just come and just rest in this place, Lord. We just thank you and we welcome you so much into this place this morning. I pray that the words that I speak today, that they go and that they plant seeds of faithfulness, Father. That they, they go and they do not come back void, Lord. We just thank you so much. And I just pray that your, your word and what you spoke to me would just come clearly to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for hanging out with me there. So uh, Merriam-Webster defines hesitant or hesitancy as being slow to act 
or, or slow to proceed because of fear, indecision, un or unwillingness. So freezing because you're scared. Um, even if it's just a split second of indecision can cause, you know, destruction of when you're hesitant. And it's also, you're no longer moving in forward movement, right? So if you think of me standing at that gate, all I, I needed to go that way or I needed to go that way instead of like freezing, right? <laughs> um, so where I wanted to go today in the Bible is in Matthew, and we're going to go to Matthew 14. And in Matthew 14, it's one of, it's probably a lot of people's favorite stories. Um, and it's when Peter gets to walk on water with Jesus. I already gave it, I just gave it away, you know, but um, that's where we're going to go today. And where we pick up in 1422 is Jesus has just fed the 5,000. So he had enough bread and fish to feed all of these people. And then the, he sends the disciples, he's sending the disciples off to go to the other side of the sea. Um, so we'll pick up right here in 22. And it says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when... And then he, and while he sent the multitudes away, I'm sorry. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. So one of my favorite stories, I just absolutely love that because I love, I love seeing the humanity of the disciples in this moment. It speaks to my humanity. And <laughs> And I, I was I was thinking about this whole story. So, I mean, Jesus had, had fed the 5,000, and then he said, all right, boys, go to the other side. I'll meet you over there. Get me a seat at Waffle House, and I'll be there soon. Just going to send all these people off. And um, while they're out in the middle of the, the sea, the wind picked up. And it, saw, it says that the wind was contrary. So I just think of this Mary Mary, quite contrary. I don't know. So contrary, I think, means like, it's not happy. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> and so they're out in the middle of the windstorm and Jesus just comes walking up right on the water and the disciples are freaking out and they are like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. What is this? Like, I mean, they're losing their minds out there in the middle of the sea. And Jesus is like, chill out guys. Like, it's me. It's cool. Like, chill, <laughs> chill out. And Peter asked Jesus, 
if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus is like, come on, come on, let's go, you know. Um, And it says that Peter came down out of the boat and he started to walk on water. I just love to put myself in the Bible stories. Like, how would it feel to like swing your leg over the boat and come down and you're standing firmly on water? Like, what? Um, I can't imagine like... I mean, he's probably looking down. He's like looking at Jesus and looking down and looking at Jesus. And he's stepping firmly on water that, I mean, that's not normal, right? Like, can you even put yourself there? It's pretty, it's just crazy to me. Um, And then he says that as he's walking towards Jesus, that he saw that the wind was boisterous. And Lynette, she actually preached on this last week too at Unfiltered. Where are my Unfiltered girls out? Woo! Yay! Um, And she's like, you know, he saw that the wind was boisterous. Like, we can't, seeing the wind is not, we can see the effects of the wind. We can see, you know, leaves blowing around. But seeing the wind is is something. And so what I was kind of looking at there, I was like, you know, he got out of there and then he saw the wind. So it was like, was it not as scary before until he stepped out onto the water that the wind was distracting him or it was taking his focus off what he was doing, right? So that wind coming up was, it was just a little check on what, on what I was reading. So just remember that. Um, but at this point, when he's walking, he started to hesitate, right? And then he was started to freeze, and he's looking around at this wind. And at that moment, he started to sink. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've ever taught a kid to, like, ride a bike, they're good as long as they're pedaling. And then they stop pedaling, and they, like, crash and fall. And... At this moment that Peter is sinking, he cries out, Lord, save me. Like, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus grabbed hold of him. And Jesus is like, dude, you were doing it. Why did you stop? Why did you stop moving forward? Why did you hesitate there? And it says that Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And that little faith, those two words there, little faith, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that Peter didn't have faith. It was, it means that it was underdeveloped faith, that it was weak faith or it needed to grow. It wasn't a strong faith, but it was faith for Peter to swing a leg over there and to start walking towards Jesus on water required faith, right? He gave something for Jesus to work with. And one part here that I was just like, this doesn't make sense to me exactly because Peter was a fisherman. He had been around water his entire life. It says that his dad had, you know, he worked with his dad. So his dad probably raised that little boy out on a boat all his life. And I don't know as a parent, but if I was raising my kids out on the water, I'd want them to know how to swim. Right? So Jesus is sinking or no, not Jesus. Peter is sinking in the water and he cries out, Lord, save me. Here's the thing. I don't think it was because Jesus couldn't, or gosh, I'm getting those two words mixed up. Peter couldn't swim, that he cried out, Lord, save me. I think he cried out, Lord, save me, because he was like, I want to keep walking with you. I want to get 
I want you to pull me back up because I want to come back and I want to walk with you again. It wasn't because he was sinking and then was like, I'm just start going to paddle boating, you know, doggy paddling back to that boat because that's a safe place. He was like, Lord, save me because I want you to pull me back up and I want to get back up so I can keep walking with you, right? He wanted to keep doing what Jesus was doing, right? And one of the things that I was, I, I read through Matthew this week, and I, I just wanted to dive into this story and kind of into Peter's story. Um, and something that was so cool that about Peter is when Jesus called him when he was, he was on his father's boat fishing with his brother Andrew, and Jesus says, come with me. And immediately he dropped his net he didn't hesitate to go with Jesus, right? It, I mean, his dad was probably like, what are you guys doing? Get back here. And I mean, they just threw off the nets and ran after Jesus. So I don't think it's truly in Peter's, it's not like his secondhand nature to be a hesitant man. But when he was walking and he saw that the wind was boisterous, he got hesitant. And I think this is what God showed me that when he swung his leg over that boat, the enemy saw that and he zeroed in his aim at Peter because he said, Oh no, he just got dangerous. Oh no, he's swinging a leg over and he's walking on water just like Jesus is. And what I saw reading in Matthew leading up to this point is the disciples were kind of spectators to what Jesus was doing. They were serving and they were helping, but they weren't healing yet. They weren't making miracles happen. They were watching Jesus do these things. But when Peter swung a leg over that boat and stepped onto the water, and started walking like Jesus was walking, he just became dangerous to the kingdom of darkness and effective in the kingdom of God. It, it blew my mind just reading this because I swear I've read this story a hundred million times. And I wanted to know why did that wind not scare Peter when he was sitting in the boat? Because it definitely did to the other disciples, if we want to talk about hesitant, we've got probably, what is it, 11 disciples still sitting in that boat, just watching. And I love Lynette last weekend on filter. She's like, I can just see the disciples watching Peter and Jesus going, like, <laughs> jaw dropped, <laughs> not doing it. They're sitting there still hesitant, not doing anything in that boat. And I don't know about you, but... Again, putting myself in that boat with those other disciples, watching Peter and Jesus out on the water. I don't think I would be thinking after that moment, gosh, I'm so glad I stayed in this boat. I'm so glad that I'm not out there with those two yahoos out there walking on water. What they were left with and probably something that they had that they thought of the rest of their lives was what if, what if, I would have swung a leg over because Jesus, Peter asked Jesus, tell me to come to you and I'll come. I don't, I'm a little sister. Anybody else like little, little siblings, 
Like, it doesn't matter if it was directed at older sibling or younger sibling. I was like, I'm going to do it. Like, I don't care if you were talking to me, but I'm going to do it in my little, my little one. Like, it doesn't matter if you were talking to her or the older sister. She's like, I'll do it. It doesn't matter what it is. And like, I don't think that it was like Jesus was only, like, only Peter, you can come. All of those other guys had the same opportunity as Peter to swing a leg over and get out on that water. But they hesitated. They missed the opportunity to go and do what Jesus was doing, right? And what, what I really want to solidify on the inside of me, but also offer it to you guys too, is I don't want to live with the what ifs in my life. I don't want to, you know, leave out of here knowing that what if, what if I would have stepped out onto that water? Um, what I want is I want the if thens. I want Jesus's if thens. If you call me, then I'll come to you. I want the if thens of the kingdom of God that says, if I hear your voice, God, then I'll open the door. If you knock, I'm going to open it, right? I want the if-thens. I want the woman with the issue of blood that says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be healed, right? And sometimes that that's what God is waiting for us to move. And we sang a song last weekend at Unfiltered um, called Open Hands Cursed. My hands are open. And there's a, there's a part in that song that it says, um, I want to move so you will move. And I think that Jesus is like, man, when Peter said, God, if you call me, I'm going to come out. Jesus is like, come on, come and do what I'm doing. This is your invitation. This is what I've been waiting for, right? And so many times we think of Peter, yes, he did hesitate and he did start to sink. But man, he, his first response was the best. Lord, save me, right? So anytime where we feel like we are getting hesitant, we are indecisive, we're frozen with fear, we're on the verge of missing an amazing opportunity, calling out to God, saying, God, if you ask me to come, I'm going to come. And Lord, save me. Lord, grab hold of me, right? Um, and uh, I have not even looked at my notes one time, y'all. So that was... <laughs> but I want to... Brad's like, you gave me all these scriptures, Candace. Are we going to get them to them today? Uh, <laughs> uh, something that I wanted to take us to because I, just thinking about those if-thens and looking at what indecision can lead to. Um, I want to take us to Revelation 3. And in Revelation, we are at the last church that Jesus is talking to. And it's called the Lukewarm Church or the Church of Laodicea. And this church, I've been told, is kind of like a picture of what the church is today, if I remember right. And it says, and to, we're starting in 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, says the amen. 
and the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. So this is Jesus talking. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So right there, that is Jesus talking to a hesitant church. He's talking to a church that is on the fence about walking in the true effectiveness of where Jesus is trying to lead them, right? Maybe they're not doing exactly what Jesus is doing, healing the sick, you know, driving out darkness and uh, saving souls, right? And this is where he's like, hey, you know what? If you don't get off that fence, if you don't get unfrozen, if you don't make a decision, if you do not, if you keep missing opportunities, I'm going to spit you out. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be God vomit or God spit, right? And that hesitancy leaves Jesus shut out of our hearts. It leaves us ineffective in the kingdom of God. So sometimes I, I think, I know it, I've had to make the decision in my life. Like, yes, I've said, I've said yes to Jesus. I've made him my savior and my Lord, but I'm still holding back from him parts of me that I don't want him to deal with, or I'm embarrassed or shame, ashamed of them, or there's just dark parts of my heart that I'm like, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to see that. And so this is me telling you right now that he wants every cell of you. He wants every part of you. So you can be truly intimate with him, but also that makes you effective, right? That indecision is limiting you in the kingdom of God. And I hate that. I hate that I was ineffective to help my husband catch that bull. And I'm like vowed to not ever do that again, which I've done it many times since then, but I'm getting better at my fear of those animals. (laughs) Yes. So when we start moving forward, when we swing our leg over that boat, we're no longer spectators, but we're in the game. We're no longer sitting on the bench, sitting in the boat, watching what Jesus is doing happen. We get to do it with him. And we get to walk in the wake of Jesus. And I just, I just see that. And I see that arrow of like a wake behind a boat. We get to walk behind him and do what he gets to do. And I just believe that this moment, this was, this changed Peter's life. I'm sure there was a lot of life-changing things happening since the moment he threw that net down and went with Jesus. But this, up to in Matthew so far, Peter hadn't done a whole lot. This was a changing point for, for Peter. And the thing about Peter is, is that, yes, he was the one that walked on water. Um, but he was also the one that Jesus rebuked. Um, he was the one that denied Jesus, that denied Jesus as his savior three times, right? He still had some hesitancy in his, his life going on there, but he was also the one that Jesus restored. And he was the one that Jesus personally made him his shepherd of his people and told him to care and feed and love his sheep. You can find that at the end of John. And Jesus, he came back 
this is after he died on the cross and it was before he ascended into heaven. And it was like his personal mission to talk to his disciples again and to send them off. But there's a whole, a whole, um, you know, couple paragraphs where he just talked to Peter and he asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And almost Peter seemed like he was like almost in tears. Like, am I not making myself clear enough? Yes, I love you, Lord. But it was Jesus restoring him three times, even though he denied him three times. Right. And in, in John, it's Jesus straight out tells him like, you're going to die a martyr. Like you are going to die for this life. You're going to die doing what I'm doing. And Jesus says that you'll even do it better than me, right? So maybe we get to like fly instead of walk on the water. <laughs> um, but like it says that he, that you're going to die. And he, Jesus spread out his arms and he said, you're going to die just like this. And the, the legend or the stories tell that Peter did die a martyr's death on a cross, but he died upside down. He asked to be, to be hung on the cross upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be hung on the cross like his savior. Peter was, he was restored. He was established. Peter was trusted and Peter was dangerous to the kingdom of darkness all of his life. And I want to, I want to kind of go here and, and end with all of this, but in first Peter, we're going to go to it and it's in the passion translation. I just love the way that it says it there. Um, something that my pastors have told me when I'm preparing a message is don't preach about something that you don't know. (laughs) Um, so I always want to preach about something that I have gone through or I am going through and I'm still not completely there, but I'm going to tell you what I'm doing or what I'm, what I'm dealing with, because I feel like that that's maybe I can be one step ahead and I can tell you, Hey, this worked for me, (laughs) but Peter had been there. He had walked on water. He had denied Christ. He had been restored. He knew something about walking like Jesus. And he knew something about being dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, right? He was, he, he knew something about that, what it takes to get rid of that enemy to be, to be effective in the kingdom of God, right? So in first Peter five, it says, be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion, looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a man that knows what he's talking about, right? Because he's been there and he's done it. And I love where it says, take a decisive stand. Isn't that the opposite of hesitant, right? He is in, he is in a stand. He is decisive in what he needs to do. Um, And then I love this part too. And it says, we resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. And if you remember, Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, underdeveloped faith. This is strong, vigorous faith. So Peter learned something. He learned how to resist the enemy's every attack, right? Because he had developed faith. He was, he learned that by doing what Jesus did. 
by stepping out of that boat onto that water. Even though he was scared, even though he had never done anything like that before, even though he's got 11 spectators back in the boat that maybe will call him like, you know, call him a fool. You're stupid for doing that. Why are you doing that? Why are you stepping out with Jesus? You know, like that's crazy. That's Jesus. You can't do what Jesus is doing. Peter just proved him wrong, right? Right? So every day we're given the choice to remain hesitant. Every day, like there's every day, every day you may not be working with the cattle that we have to work with, but every day you're given a choice to remain hesitant, to remain silent, to remain in the boat or on the bench instead of swinging your leg over and walking and doing what Jesus did, right? If you haven't even accepted Jesus as your savior, like this is, if you're here today and hearing these words, like I really feel like this is a message that's saying, hey, Come on. (laughs) Peter said, if you call me, Lord, I'll come. Honey, he's been calling you. He's been chasing after you your entire life. He's known you before you were even born. And if you're not walking with him, if you're not doing what he's doing, he's telling you, come on. Come on. Right? And he's faithful to pull you up when you do fall down. Um, our hesitancy, it limits us, right? It causes us to miss out on great opportunities. And in the end, it will kill you. It will lead to death. It will lead from separation from God. Sad as that is, it's the truth. And I'm going to speak the truth. So you have two choices. Will you freeze? And will you bail onto the trailer door or back into the boat like I did? (laughs) Or will you move forward? Will you close that gap between you and walking with your Savior? You've got those two choices. There's really no other two choices. All right? So I just encourage everyone here, take that step. Become dangerous to the enemy and start becoming effective in the kingdom of God here on this earth, right? Because that's what we're all about. We're here about, we're here to become effective. And by effective, I mean, we're loving people. We're speaking God's word and his truth in love. And we're dangerous to what the enemy wants to do. But we resist him by growing and getting our faith stronger in our life, right? Okay, well, I want to pray for y'all, and I just thank you so much for what you did. If you want to come up, Brett, I think this is a great time. (laughs) Father God, I just thank you so much for the people of this church. This church is not a lukewarm church. In Jesus' name, I pray over every single person here today, God, that that hesitancy that maybe they felt coming in to this church today, that maybe they wouldn't be accepted, but maybe they're going to be sitting alone, that nobody's going to talk to them. Father, I pray that they are just overwhelmed by your love, but also by the love of the people in this church, Father. God, I just pray that anybody in here that hasn't swung that leg over, that they haven't started walking with you yet because of that hesitancy, that frozenness, that, uh, that scared, scared
hardness in their heart, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that they open their heart to you today, God. That right now is the time to make that decision. No more being frozen. No more being scared, Father. And I just pray that if that's them today, Lord, and that they want to make that declaration that they're going to swing their leg over and that they're going to start walking with you, Father, I pray that they raise their hand up because I want to pray with them and I want them to know that they're not alone in this walk, Father. I just look around this room if there's anybody like that. Thank you, God. Father God, and I pray over the people that maybe they've been walking with you and they've done the things you've done, but they get scared growing where you want and going where you want to take them father that it's out of their comfort zone that they don't want to do what you're asking them to do and they hear you calling them and they hear you saying come on come on father god i pray just for a courageous spirit to come upon them today lord that they will step out with you knowing that you've got them lord And that if they do fall, if they do start to sink, that all they do is they just need to cry out to you, Lord, and you grab hold of them, Father. And I just thank you so much that your love for us creates new life inside of us, that we are a new creation in you, Father. And I just thank you so much that your spirit just, it lives inside of us and that we get the Holy Spirit, Father. We just thank you for that, God. I just pray, I pray for boldness over everyone here today that you would go out of this place with a renewed courageous spirit on your lives today we just thank you so much for that in jesus name amen thank you lord